Me body now being kind of grown, I couldn't see myself being in anybody's. Cause the soul's wouldn't match the laces, need to be extra tight. Unless she got the strap on, then she can fuck me any night. Yeah. Right? You and me are thinking alike. Let's have a drink, Gronkowski scowl. Cause I'm about to score, I gotta have it spike. I ain't trying to fuck, but if you're trying to fuck, then I'm trying to fuck. I told you she's flakier than a grain's biscuit. But I'm a gentleman, so you know I'll open the door. I'll sit there right in front of you and stare into your pores. Even when you eat chocolate and break out for intrinsic reason. I can't decipher at the moment, it's you I still adore. Even if you're poor. I remember one day at Chili's, I saw some my face and she called me a pig. And called our dinner dates boring, so I had a bored head. So for your birthday this year, I'm gonna go to Publix and get you a pound of boar's head. I'm planning on doing a lot of traveling this upcoming year, you hear? I have some destinations in mind, but... Look, I've been trying to... You know, I've been thinking about putting myself back out there again. You know, maybe uh, maybe see what the market is for the boy. So I've been thinking some pickup lines, you know. Tell me my pickup lines just... Our song references, song quotes, song lines, I steal. And, you know, it's a hit, but a lot of miss. And excuse me, miss, but I saw you from across the room. Okay, that's not the one. Um, Because your love is a one in a million. That would be a weird thing to go up to someone from the jump and be like, your love is a one in a million. It goes on and on and on. And they're like, "Uh, yeah, I would really love if... uh, you would move a million feet away from me right now. Um, but, you know, I, I, as a Southern boy, I got I to gotta start thinking of stuff that may apply. Stuff that seems realistic, right, you know? Um, so, let me know what you guys think. Go up to a lovely lady and be like, hey. They, uh, you know, you gotta set a presence, you know, you gotta set your territory, you know, be in her face. Um, <laughs> no, share in her bed. Um, <laughs> oh, Amber, have you heard? Uh, yeah, I heard the squirm and squeaks coming out of your cheeks. Oh, this is gonna be a good one. But be like, hey, they call me, uh, you could call me Mr. Bayou. That's what they call me around here. It's like, oh, are you a Louisiana boy? Be like, well, on occasion, I am uh, definitely raging for your attention. And uh, also because this mister will buy you a drink. Uh, Welcome to episode 141 of the Off and Beat podcast. I'm your host, Clint Nelson. Don't forget to like, comment, follow the pod, subscribe, hit the notification bell, But most importantly, guys and ladies, suck some titties. And uh, I think that will be the eventual result if I do use that, you know, whenever I decide to go out and uh, buy, buy you a drink. Oh, the tea is steeping and still in a lot of pain. Um, (laughs) Chameleon tea. Uh, But yeah. Uh, uh, apparently, breaking news, Amber Heard just uh, fired a PR team, which I, for some reason I have a feeling they, they probably just quit, but it's being PR'd, ironically. It's being PR'd as firing. When really, they're like, hey, look, Amber, it ain't going to work for you. And us being your PR team for this, it's um, it's actually hurting our image more than you. We don't give a fuck about your image. Um, you fucked that up when you decide to, you know, lie about everything, essentially, and uh, decide to be an Aquaman, um, which apparently they're going to reduce her role to less than 10 minutes in the movie. I haven't seen Aquaman at all. I guess she's the main love interest or something, um, because even the main star, Aquaman himself, has spoken out against you in support of Johnny Depp, which must really mean you're a piece of shit. Even on sets. You can't even hide your shittiness. And apparently, she's been in an elevator with the disaster artist, a.k.a. James Franco. Oh, they can, uh, they both need, they both have needed a PR team. All right. Um, but, yeah. 
I feel like, ironically, the PR of her firing the PR team is not good PR. Um, it's almost like she needs a NPR. Now that I actually know what the fuck NPR means, all I know is supposed to be this credible news outlet. NPR has apparently been around like the only boring, trusted news source, which even then they've been called out on some shit, but for the most part, probably as credible in the mainstream as you're going to find. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, but, but see, that's what I got worried about. If I start going out to these establishments and start to establish the men that I am on the gentle ladies, you know, I got to worry about, are these girls going to shit in my bed? It's like, for all you know, I already have. Um, if you like, uh, but you can go streaking because I'm an old school type of guy. Okay, Clint. that's old school movie reference in case you didn't get it. Oh, and I am wearing Boise State pants, so my boy Blue. Um, and if you want to Blue me too, um, you're more than welcome too. Uh, Jesus, me too. He said, but I want to see your movement because <laughs> I like the way you move. Dun, dun, dun. Actually, I was having, uh, speaking of Outcast, look, I'm not an Outcast. I'm not a duo expert. I'm not a music expert, but I had this, um, you know, kind of interesting conversation with my friend because I, I think we, we were talking about, um, well, specifically, I brought up the fact that, you know, not the shit because I, I don't want to downgrade someone's role in a group, right? But, we always get into the technicality of like, all right, they're a duo group. Like when you hear about a duo group, like Dan and Shay, for example, they're like this country pop country group. One guy is doing 99% of the singing and the other guy is just with the long hair and he's just kind of playing guitar. I guess he's mainly the instrument guy and he just kind of does the backing vocals. I'm pretty sure he contributes in the writing room, but nowadays... Most music is uh, not even written remotely by the artists themselves nowadays. Like most music, especially like in country, rock and stuff like that, they're written by the artists because it's not really about... The essence of writing your own music isn't even necessarily that important except in rap. Rap is the only place where that matters because... The talent in rapping is the lyrics and wordplay. You can be a great singer and not write a goddamn lyric and no one gives a fuck. A lot of Beyonce's hits are by Neo. Fun fact. Um, and fun fact, uh, Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s by Sam Hunt, I didn't find this out, was actually written by Ernest, who's the one who's flower shops. Uh, he has a couple other singles. He's kind of like a hot country artist right now. And, but yeah, but no, I was thinking about, well, we, we were having, I kind of asked this thing where it's like, okay, I know Big Boy is more of the producer, he's more of the, um, you know, he raps in songs, but, you know, Andre 3000 is the one that does the, the, the shit, right? He, he's the voice you hear predominantly in the music. It's not discrediting what Big Boy does, but... You know, in terms of actually in the music, it's like, okay. And I was starting to think, like, okay, like, yes, he's technically in the song, but is he kind of like an honorary, a slightly more integral, actually in the part music as DJ Khaled, for example? Big Boy actually has verses and lyrics and stuff, yes. But the thing that makes Big Boy's biggest contribution is being the producer, essentially. And, I, you know, I kind of brought it, like, what if it was, like, a, to me, it's not really any different than, you know, the relationship between if you had Drake and his producer, 40. Like, 40 create Drake's sound. But Drake is the one that's like, all right, yes. The producer, the music is cool. Like, the instrumental is cool. But Drake is the reason why it's a thing as well. Like, at the end of the day, I understand the importance of producers, the London on the track, Murder Beats, um, you know, 
you know, you, you can name all the producers you want. I'm kind of drawing a blank here. But it just seems more like, in, in a specific instance, it's like, are they really a duo or is it really just Andre 3000 and this other guy? Like Dan and Shay, are they, were they basically the rap version of what Dan and Shay is now? Because I'm pretty sure of making the sound and the music, Shay of Dan and Shay is, you know, he probably has a lot to do with how the music sounds. But the other guy is the actual voice talent. He's the actual singer. Like, he's the one that makes, like, when you hear Dan and Shay, you predominantly hear one main attractive voice, kind of like NSYNC. But even NSYNC, they were more balanced than people want to give credit for. But JT was like, JT's got the solo. Let's not fuck around here. When shit hits the fan on our biggest hits, fine. You other guys can have this, I promise you, where you all just sing over a piano and have your parts. But when it's it's gonna be May, guess who's saying it's gonna be May? JT. All right. So uh, if you have a problem with it, cry me a river. Okay, Clint. Okay, see, I'm already starting to losing my way on this podcast. Okay, um, man, whoo, Podden's back. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, it just, you know, I, I don't have a definite, like, I'm, I'm probably more wrong, like, Big Boy and Andre 3000, it's probably not the greatest example of what the main thing I'm trying to get about that, but it's always weird when you hear, like, a duo group or, a even when you got like a trio group or whatever but it's really just like one voice you predominantly hear and others contribute could be in different things like if you have a group that's like dancing and stuff you know you probably have one guy's more the dancer and shit and it's more for the live experience and then you have the main guy and then you have the other guy who like you know does his thing it's, it's like for example you know i'm literally thinking this as i'm speaking like if you have the migos right I think they're a little bit more like they all play a very specific role, but they typically are pretty evenly spaced out in songs and the songs I've listened to by them. I I haven't listened to all three culture albums, which is kind of like, all right, seems like you guys could, you know, it's like, all right, can we, can we, can we come up with a different name? Like we don't need a trilogy. This ain't fucking Rambo. This ain't Jaws. This ain't a fucking movie sequel. It's, it's 13 song albums. Like change it up. Like, you have all this time, like, the Culture 1, Culture 2. Like, imagine if Drake just did Thank Me Later, number 3. Like, and we would have never got Take Care. Because it would have been, it would have been so far gone. So far gone again. And then so far gone again, Thank Me Later. And, you know, we would have never got the names like Take Care or Nothing Was The Same. Alright? It's hard to distinguish the songs and shit, but I guess in the streaming era, it doesn't really matter. But... For example, like the Migos. The Migos each play a specific role, right? Now, who's the main guy? Typically, the guy in the middle is always Quavo. Is Quavo the most lyrically, like, quote-unquote, talented? I don't know. I'm not a talent expert when it comes to rap, but when I listen to them, I think they each play a specific role. Like, Quavo is more like the... Keeping it together, melodic, Offset kind of brings, to me, Offset brings more of the edge, like, kind of shit. He has a very unique type of uh, way of voice, I guess. And I also think his personal life, especially previous years, contributed to a lot of their popularity with Cardi B, personally. But their music speaks for itself as well. And Takeoff is, like, the third guy who is, like, actually probably technically... The better at the, like, specific old head craft. Like, lyrics, like, highly underrated. But, as Drake said in Having Our Way, like, the third Migo, I can take. Whoa. Whoo! Having Our Way. Um, so, in his eyes... Takeoff is third. And I think most people, we get it. Like, I don't think Takeoff takes it personally. Like, he's not the most popular, but he's definitely probably technically the best specifically. But I, I guess it brings in, there's roles, but 
the Migos is different because they all equally contribute lyrically and in the song itself. I don't know who produces the music. I'm pretty sure they all contribute in different ways, you know, as the songs be made. But in the song, the final product, where do you align? What is the result? It's like if you... Like, there's a different, like, if you co-write a, you know, in my in my field of non-professional expertise, but in the game. Um, if you, if, if, if you have one individual that writes the movie, that writes a whole movie script, right? But then in the editing process... You know, with a studio head or the editor, they change a good bit of it, right? Now, technically, because they edited and all that shit, they're technically co-writers, but you wrote the bitch. You wrote the original idea, and they just refined it and probably made it more modest and more broad and, you know, less interesting. Um, But hey, you gotta get these bucks, so you accept whatever you can. Uh... And then the final project is, then you revise it again, and they change the beginning, the end, and some pretty important shit in between. So it's not even really the thing you made. But the final product is, yeah, you're not really in this. Your original idea of it and everything, yeah, out the window. I guess I'm ready to jump out the window because they uh, stole my ideas. It's cool, though. Um, <laughs> sign your contracts. Read them. Um, and I think I kind of lost the path of where I was going with that. But if the blueprint of what's in it and I'm not in it, then, you know, it's like, all right, technically, I was there, technically, I'm there, I'm contributing, but I didn't really do much, but how much credit does the editor deserve? How much credit does this person deserve? The division of labor to make a final product, when in reality, the original product would have been just fine. But I think we always kind of live in this weird society. We always feel like we've got to change something to the original idea. It's like, actually, we don't. I I think really, you know, this thing that's been ingrained from adolescent in schools and stuff. And I'm not against revising. I'm not against editing. You should always edit and make some as good as possible. But I think sometimes we just feel like we got to write something or make something, whether it's music, writing, or whatever. And we just like automatically got to assume, oh, we got to change something about this. We got to edit something. It's like, I don't know. If it's pretty damn good, not really. You cross that bridge when you get there. Because sometimes you have to burn a bridge just to light my way. Uh, oh, my, don't love me. Um, <laughs> but... It's, you know, it's this thing where it just sometimes feels, you know, you ever met someone where you just have to, you know, I'm like this with food, but, you know, I'll give this example that it makes, ever met someone that always just feels like they got to change something? Like, have you ever ever, uh, visited with someone, like, for a holiday, right? You're with a significant other or partner, I would assume. You go to you know, one of their siblings' houses or family, you go there, and you may just have to, you, you just feel like you walk in, you see you see a frame's cr- kind of crooked, right? You see, you, you see some shoes are on the floor, you, you see a vase that's about to tip over, you see a, uh, you see a you see a microwave where the time, where there's 13 seconds left on the thing, but nothing's in it. And you just feel like, I need to press clear. It's driving me crazy. I want to just put it back on the home screen type of shit. But it's like, no, it's like that's because they were cooking some spaghetti in there. But they took it out a little early. But they did, they forgot to press the clear button to put it back to zeros or to put it back to the home time where it should be 2.18 p.m. on a Thanksgiving. Um, but you know what? 
It's not your place. Relax. You don't always have to put your hand on shit in this. But you do anyways. Because you're a fucking psycho. You've been kind of conditioned and trained that this is just what you do. When you see something. When you do something. You make something. You always got to add shit no matter fucking what. And when you grew up. In these schools, middle school, high school and shit. You do all these papers. They make you do rough draft. Cool. I, I think rough drafts are great. And you should, you know, edit punctuation and shit. But then they want you to, like, revise it three fucking times. Where it's not even remotely the original idea. When the original idea is what actually sparks the interest. What actually makes it interesting. Because, like, even though ideas are just... Ideas are just shit until execution is applied. Yes. But without the idea, there's no execution to potentially apply. And the idea is what this life and what these things are about. And I know this is completely waned from the original shit. But hey, you know what? We're down this road. Um, And God bless the broken road. Because, uh... I'm a little rascal that wants to live in a flat. Fuck you, Caroline. Um, or Coraline. Uh, Coraline that in the editing. <laughs> uh, let me take a sip of this. Uh, sponsor today, Ghost Sour Patch Blue Raz. That's the secret sauce to a decent pot or these energy drinks. You know, no sugar, still keeping the LBs down. And uh, I gotta admit, I'm looking fine as fuck. But not the point here. Anyways, um, like this whole pod, like every podcast is just a long, one long fucking rough draft. There's a transcript for this rough draft. Imagine if for a podcast, you're listening to it, and you were able to edit it in the transcript and some artificial intelligent bullshit could change the words of the audio to make it exactly how you would want it. That's not what you said, but you could edit it, but with your voice, if that makes any fucking sense. That would not be as interesting because the flaws is kind of what makes it good. As weird as that sounds, like I don't like perfectionism personally. I like people that try to be... Perfection. I think the dudes trying to be perfection, and when the final product is too, is too, uh, is too, is too pristine. It's too bogged down. It's too trying to be too even. Like there's no rough bumps. There's no open to interpretation shit. Everything is just one smooth baby bottom. And uh, you're just like, no, fuck the baby powder. Let the rashes show. Stop being irrational. Okay. Um, but it just, uh, uh, talk about the one time Johnson and Johnson was actually applied and had a high effective rate was baby powder. Um, (laughs) um, uh, oh baby. Oh baby. Stop putting that powder up your nose. We have a child together. Um, (laughs) uh, that one took a dark turn. Um, but yeah, it's, uh. I'm just, you know, I I love rough, like, to me, rough drafts, like, I don't want to read, like, if you're someone that's sending me some shit to read, I don't want to read your final edited version, I want to read the flawed rough draft with too much words, too much details, too much of this, whatever the hell it is, I don't care what type of shit it is, it could be a skit you're working on, it could be, like, don't send me some pristine perfectly crafted shit because there's not anything that's perfectly crafted that's actually that good if you really think about it it's all boring as fuck um but yeah i just feel like uh you know in like going back to the duo groups the trio groups is that I just feel like there there's things that the the slight flaws in things that make it actually good, unique, and relatable, and actually has some. God, I hate when people start using over the top, exaggerated. 
anomaly words to try to describe simple shit. But when people try to use, you know, it's just the texture of the bass. Like, what the fuck does the hearing the texture of a bass means? Just say, hey, the bass, it's really bassy. Because, you know, I'm all about that bass. No treble. Um, or uh, boom, 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 baby. Super bass. I can't believe, like, when you really think about, like, how Nicki Minaj has, like, kind of, you know, how the different music she does. She went from super bass, like, that type of sound. When you really look back at super bass, it sounds more like a current day if, uh, if, like, do it, like, Doja Cat would make something, like, super bass today. Actually, I don't know if that's a great example. Um, I'm trying to think, like, a real poppy artist. Like, Tove Lowe would make a song like Super Bass. And Nicki Minaj destroyed it in a good way. I mean, destroyed. Like, she killed it. And she just happens to be, you know, the best female rapper of this generation, essentially. I don't care what people say about Meg the Stallion. Um, shoot that in your foot. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you'll be finally telling the truth a little bit. Look, Tori fucked you and Kylie. It's okay. He fucked both of y'all. You got a little butt hurt. Probably literally. Um, and you just... You just didn't uh, say it. Because you don't have to do more than just... <laughs> um, and it seems like ever since that situation... Tory Lanez has just become the best rapper fucking ever. Like the best rapper who's technically an R&B artist. But he just features on songs and just kills the shit. Just does diss tracks and just does this... It's weird how he can't speak about something publicly, but she can. It's like either both people shouldn't be able to speak about it, or they can. And for and I get it. To, well, she's technically a victim. It's like, well, she's not a victim until it's proven that she's technically the victim. I understand she's being pled as a victim, and I'm not saying it didn't happen, even though it looks very likely that. You know, I don't know. She got. It seems like someone who got shot in the foot. You know, she she was never in a cast. She never really. You know, she she was never seen struggling walking around. I don't know. I'm not a shot in the foot expert, and I don't like sitting out here calling people liars, especially even women in today's age. Even though I just talked about Amber Heard lying for like eight minutes, but I don't think it's necessarily because I do think there's some weird middle fuckery here. Or they ever heard the situation, it's pretty one-sided fuckery. But this it's like it's probably it's starting to lean more towards Tory. Is technically he's only getting in trouble for technicalities and legal stuff of what he can say to social media, even though he's being negged on by her. Like prying, keep throwing subliminal shots. All this shit. But hey, you know what? What do I know? She used to fucking the low ski. And she used to fuck with the broski. You know me. And now you want to toast me. Oh, uh, Jesus. But anyways. Uh, yeah. Good times. Well, not for her. But, uh, oh, Meg. Meg. It's weird how Meg, though. She's starting to become, like, Meg on Family Guy, ironically. She's starting to become the, partially, even her biggest, even people who are on her side from the beginning, and her dire fans, are even starting to be like, you know what, we're kind of getting annoyed by her. Kind of like the Griffins, are always annoyed by Meg, annoyed by Meg. She didn't even do anything bad, she's just a daughter that actually, you know, has real problems, but they always cater to Chris. It's like. Like, fuck, you know, I, I'm not a big Chris fan, you know, and Family Guy. Like, I like Brian. I think Meg, she's kind of, she kind of is, she's considered, you know, the outcast of the group. She's considered the one that no one likes. She's considered the least used character in the family. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. You want a hot pocket? Um, 
yeah, I don't know. She, it just seems, uh, cause you know, Megan the Sound, she used to be this, uh, she used to be like the biggest thing on earth, right? Like there was a period of time. I think, I think it kind of has got lost. Like she obviously still kind of big, you know, thick too. Um, but she, she, she used to be literally the biggest artist on the planet. Like during that 2018 ish range. For years so before this shit happened. She's have a hit. And I think she's actually really good. Like I actually think she could really rap. I don't think that's even debatable. Anyone that says that. just They you know, they just have some personal vendetta. That has nothing to do with anything. You can't deny her actual talent. Now you can sit here. And maybe not like. That she mentions. Pussy and does an eh. In every song and type of shit. But you know what. Pussy is just in music nowadays, especially hip hop. Dudes talk, dudes name drop it pretty direct. And like music hasn't been as music is as graphic as ever. Music's always been graphic and lyrics and shit, but it's so sexually graphic now. And I'm not complaining, but you know, then you know, you have the Cardi B's and most female rappers, you know. Guys talk about fucking pussy, and they're like, yeah, fuck this pussy. And then we're like, hey, whoa, what are you doing, you whore? It's like, uh, you, you guys, all you guys do if I was fucking, we're like, and they're like, yes, please fuck it. And they're like, whoa, hey, hey, see? See, you can't, you can't give these ladies a microphone. It's like, um, okay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it is kind of weird how you'd be like, oh, I don't want to listen. I don't want to listen girls talking about, you know, wet-ass pussy and shit. And it's like, all right. But you'll listen to Lil Wayne talk about fucking pussy. Listen to Drake. You know, I've had sex four times this week. I'll explain. Um, Drake didn't get that too. But J. Cole literally had a whole song about losing his virginity in the most Detail the ways. I remember in the first time she was in my math class. Long hair, brown skin with the fat ass. And he literally goes in the deep detail. With the condom full. I have a. You know, he he's in he's in the room. He has a bunch of cons with an erection. And he's just trying to figure out how to use it. And he uses very specific details. And he's like, I've never had sex before. And it's this whole like dynamic, the mindset going into it. And he uses very specific words. I haven't been pussy since the day I came out one. And I love the storytelling. I love the song, Wet Dreams. But, like, you know, okay, imagine if I, I and look, I'm not, look, this isn't a double standard type of thing. I'm, I will say, imagine if. I'm pretty sure there probably is a song out there, but like if a girl did a, you know, interesting way, what if a girl did a equivalent to that? Let's just say same instrumental, same tempo, not like bogged down and so sad. Oh, I remember the first time he was in my English class. He had a, he had big hands, big dick and a, and he and he had a lot of abs, um, <laughs> like you know, I, I don't know, but imagine like would there would people have a problem with it? Probably because people always have a problem with something. It just seems uh I don't know. Yeah, that that's the. It just seems like this weird thing where it's... I don't think people really care that much about... I don't think people really care that much that, you know, women in music are starting to become very detailed and actually, you know, graphic and shit. Like, I don't listen to music. Like, I I'll, I have not listened to a single line of WAP. I have not... Li- I don't even know what the instrumental sounds like. I heard... I remember when the music video came out, it was a big thing. It's like... I read the title and I'm like, yeah, I have a good idea what this is about. But I haven't really listened to it and I don't plan on listening to it. I don't plan on getting around to it. 
as Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. I know what the music video is going to look like. I don't care if the title said St. Jude's Orgy. I know what it's going to be about. I don't care if it said, I don't care if they say we raised $10 million. Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B's in the video. I Look, I, I expect something. I expect something to be thrown back. And I'm not talking about the donations being blocked to make sure it's actually used correctly. Okay? I mean, it's going to be thrown back. And, uh, but, you know, also, it comes with, I, I do feel like, uh, especially in the female R&B, and, like, there is this heavy, I don't even think it's necessary, necessary, but it definitely has worked, which is why we keep on seeing the same regurgitated image of, essentially, women being sex symbols. Now, sex symbols, it could be used as empowerment. You can look at two ways, depending on how it's done. You can look at it as empowerment, or you can actually look at it as complete opposite. Because how how does being vulnerable to the public actually make you empowering, or does it actually make you weaker? You know, depending on who you ask. I wouldn't say weaker is the correct term, but could it be made to be used against you? Because your vulnerabilities that you put out there from the forefront and you think you're being relatable to the public, you think you're trying, hey, we're just like this. I have problems too. Or people go to you because they want to see kind of a higher figure. They want to see an elevated figure that they can kind of uh, kind of look at maybe bigger problems, aside, kind of like a messiah, kind of like, kind of like an Egyptian king tut situation where it's praise it's it's used as a it's you it's supposed to be like a like a parental figure you know you you have a parental figure whether that's your parents or it could be godparents or whoever it is where i know people don't want to say this but you know it's not that you would have a problem seeing your parents cry but Look, if if your parents are crying every you know month and a half because you know shit in life got hard, like you're like, yeah, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Like, is that gonna be someone you go to when shit's hard for you? Are they you reliance? Like, no, you know, parents are supposed to be strong figures for you. Doesn't mean they don't have moments that they're honest and vulnerable, but especially as a child, like you you. You're not really supposed to know anything that's going wrong with your parents. Or you're not supposed to really know anything that's going wrong with people that are in positions of leadership. And I think that's an unpopular thing to say because that's more of a traditionalist. Like, you don't want your CEO out here, you know, talking about his, uh, talking about their emotions and how. You know, sometimes I just don't feel I belong. It's like, you run a $2 billion company. Like, something's belonging. You you know what belongs? These checks in my account that I still expect you to pay. And I don't need you to be calling out. <laughs> I don't need my boss to be calling out for a week. My CEO be calling for a week. And then the stocks go in the tank. The business goes in the tank. Then I'm out of a job because I rely on you to keep shit on top. So this whole business could keep going. And I'm just a cog in the machine. That's why in leadership positions, they want typically even kill, you know, not too high, not too low, kind of like you wouldn't want a QB position in NFL. You don't want a highly emotional person, Baker Mayfield. You want someone, for better or worse, that's just kind of like, you know what? You know, we had a great performance, but we could... We always do things and improve. Or when you have a really bad performance, like, you know, you know, obviously this is not what we wanted today, but you know, we're gonna put in a good week of practice and you know be back better. That like that's what you want because you your job is just to kinda keep things going and to not overreact and you know, make tough decisions and not be too emotional about it. And I think we've kind of gotten into this place in society, and it was a little unpopular, where, like, I, you know, 
I think when you well, I think when you get older, your relationship with your parents change. Like there's a lot more open transparency. It's like, hey, look, I don't have to sit here and baby you about shit, or like, I don't have to sit here and hide nothing from you. Like, I I don't have to hide my personal struggles from you because when you're a parent and you're raising very young children, yeah, you can't you can't be having a drug addict of a mom out here be sticking here. Yeah, like you can't even if your parent is struggling with alcoholism or addictions of some sort or just behavioral issues personal things about themselves like they still gotta wake up breastfeed you if you're young enough they still gotta make sure you got your lunchbox ready to go they still gotta make sure you're going to school they still gotta make sure they gotta go to work make sure they're bringing an income home they still gotta make sure that when they come home they have food in the fridge for you they still gotta make sure like shit's going regardless of whatever they're feeling that day and like, could you imagine, imagine if you're, like, when you had good parents, like, you understand, like, and you you feel kind of a way, like, man, like, I wish they didn't have to just ignore their own feelings, but that's kind of just comes with being in any type of leadership position or being in a position where people rely on you for shit. Now you get too real here, but, and not that we should ever, going back to the thing, we should never rely on musicians, first of all, as role models or nothing like that i think that's where people get fucked up like why are you looking at meg the stallion as for a role model why are you looking at any celebrity really i think you could find someone inspirational but not be like oh i'm gonna do everything they do it's like nah like you know be your own person but learn what they did and apply it to yourself i don't know crazy thought but you know kind of get back in my sentimental bag uh, I feel like, I think what you see in newer age parents, what I see from people in my age group, you know, thank God I'm not on Facebook, thank God I'm not on any really in this shit, but from what I've seen from friends that show me shit, like, you, you will see how there are a lot of parents, young parents, that and I think it's going to translate to even when they get older and their kids are going to see, unfortunately, that as a parent, you're not supposed to be needy. It's not about you. Like, when you have a kid, like, you kind of have the mindset that what you want doesn't fucking matter. I know how weird that sounds, and I don't want it to be literally taken literal, like, oh, well, they should all... It's like, yes, but no, <laughs> like, ah, gee, I'm starting to sound like a douchebag, but I know what I'm trying to say. It's, I, it just seems that in any type of position where people are relying on you, whether it's your children, whether you own a business and shit like that, people want all the rewards that the outside see, but they don't want to actually be the model of what the position requires to actually respect the accolades that may come with that. Like, if you want your kids to love you, well, I shouldn't say, but if you want your kids to respect you and still be around you in their 20s and 30s and shit like that, like, you... You had to do all the right shit the first 18. You can't just come in. You can't be this really needy over the top of it all. Everyone's got problems. And the older you realize, you realize, like, wow, like, your parents are really just flawed people. But they put all their flaws kind of on the back for sacrifice for bigger things for you to possibly, like, hey, don't fuck this up. <laughs> and you realize that there's... When you when you get older, you start having flaws. You start noticing your flaws and shit that you're working. You realize, wait, my, you know, my parents did, and I don't have kids. And I'm not even talking about my parents specifically, but I think most people relate. When you don't have kids, it's like my parents probably had all this shit, right? They probably had all these personal feelings of themselves. They probably had all these personal things in life that ebbs and flows, but. They didn't even have the ability to go through phases of dealing with it. Because you know why? They just had to deal with it 
and actually still had to go about that day to take care of the children and put their pride aside and put their feelings aside. And I think what you learn when you have kids, I think the biggest thing is that a lot of things aren't that big of a deal. And I think that's like one of the great benefits of having kids is that when you hear the term that it makes it makes you actually look at what's important you realize how much shit doesn't matter and that sounds so basic right that's like basic white bitch talk you know it's only you know it's not about what you know my kids you know what they did for me they show me what's important in life you know they really they really made me look at myself it's like actually when you have kids you don't have time to look at yourself because you're looking at them ugly fucks like, I can't believe I created children with that piece of shit. And you know what? It is what it is. But it's, uh, but I think what you, I think what having kids really does for you, you know, not to keep repeating the same question. It's like doing a TED talk here, but, uh, you know, without the learning and, uh, you know, consistent moving flow of conversation. But think about all the problems that you have, like, finding yourself, whatever the fuck that means, in your young adult life or adult life. And you don't have kids. And all your problems are just you. That's like, all your problems are just you. And then think about, like, your parents, you know, people who you admire. And you look like, wait, they had probably a lot of these same feelings and possibly stress and possibly all this other shit and they actually had to take care of something while you don't even change your bed sheets more than once every three months you sack of shit and (laughs) and you and you're so caught up in your own shit while they don't they didn't have time to be caught up in their own shit Think about that. On, I'm gonna get. I'm. I'm trying to develop it as I'm doing it. Remember, this is a rough draft. I don't edit. <clears throat> because editing's for pussies who actually succeed at this. Um, <laughs> but think about it, like you're, and I think that's why as you get older. Regardless, even if your parents did things and you're younger that doesn't always sit right with you or didn't make sense to you i think that's why like typically a reasonable minded person is always like more forgiving of things or doesn't even look at forgiveness just like hey you know what i get it it's hard being a parent at a young age it's hard balancing taking care of something where you're still trying to figure out how to take care of yourself and what you want but all that was put aside because this that and the other And I I think as you get older, you you know, you're just like, you know what, who cares? And a lot of your problems become non-problems when you really put in perspective. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you to always put your problems in perspective. But in reality, they're probably not really problems. Like, oh, I have abandonment issues because in 8th grade, you know, my mom... She, you know, dropped me off at the bus stop down at the cul-de-sac and it started raining and she didn't come back and let me sit in the car. I felt abandoned and haven't felt the same since. It's like, you know what? Should have wore a poncho. I don't know what to tell you. You know, should have brought an extra hoodie. And you know what that teaches you? Bring prepared. Put extra shit in your backpack just in case it starts raining. Because there's going to be a lot of rainy days, you little bitch. And there's not even going to be a car there for you to sit in. You're just going to have to take that damping. Your socks are going to get wet. Your underwear is going to get wet. Your clothes are going to get wet. You're going to feel it's going to irritate the fuck out of you. But hey. You still were able to wear clothes. You still had clothes that could get wet. Think about that. Think about that. You still, the fact that you had something that could have been fucked up, 
means you had something to fuck up. It's when you don't even have anything to fuck up is when you got to worry. That's when you're like, damn, this is kind of sad. You had clothes to fuck up. You had clothes to get wet. All right. So think about. And, you know, again, it's is. And I guess the whole like forgiving parents thing, obviously not to me. I don't really have any problems, but I have problems, but I don't have any problems like that. But there's, you know, I'm always hearing, you know, people talking about trauma in such a generic term. Right. And I don't know. I always just roll my eyes at it. And I'm not trying to discredit people's trauma. And I, I, I always like to say I'm fortunate to not really have experience personally any that type of real trauma. But then when they describe the trauma, I'm like, that, you call that trauma? My dad, he had expectations for me. And it's like, okay. That's a weird trauma. It's like, oh, I fuck, I fucked this up. And he holds against me all the time. It's like, so a dad was actually in your life and actually wanted something of you. And 10, 12, 15 years later, you're still like, hey, why did you have expectations for me? Imagine if he didn't, how that would make you feel. All right. But I don't know. I just think be understanding. I'll always put like think about like your parents. Most most parents have kids young twenties, sometimes younger than that, but typically young twenties is when people, you know, quote unquote have kids on purpose. Which by the way, if your parents tell you they had you on purpose, that's a lie. Alright? That is a fucking lie. No one should ever have kids on purpose. It just happens, right? Shit just happens. And obviously people, you know, 30s or married, like, you know what, let's have kids. But no, like, look, if you actually look at, you know, people's situations and they tell you, you know what, we, we, we just wanted to start a family. You're like, but you shouldn't have. Financially, you should not have. Every reasonable thing that you would tell me says, you should not have started a family then. Like, every reasonable thing. And like, well, sometimes you got to take a leap. It's like, you always tell me to not take a leap. Do the opposite of leap. Sit the fuck down. Stop leaping. Um, you know, have some leverage. Use your base. Because, um, you know, super base. Um, but no, look, honestly, seriously. You know, people are just flawed individuals, but sometimes life brings responsibility before you even have time to process what responsibility really means. I think people, I think people think like they understand that having a kid changes your life. I think we all understand that having a kid, you're going to get less sleep. It's going to change your life. Mostly should be for the better, but sometimes there's a huge adjustment period. All right, it's like Tebow trying to adjust to, you know, anything other than a fastball. Um, it, it's tough sledding. Um, <laughs> I, and it's one of those things you you could buy a million diapers before him. You could have a thousand cases of formula ready to go. You could have all the Gerber Life Baby insurance you fucking want. You could have just you know, basement full of fridges, full of food for four years and never have to worry about buying this on the spot. This, you can have all the medicine. You can have all the bibs. You have all the walkie-talkies. You have all the cameras. You have all the Ouija boards just in case your kid, you know, needs to see some figures in its room and, you know, make a conjuring number four, you know. And you will still not be ready. And I think it's just like some things you just don't understand. Kids just don't understand, as Will Smith said. And apparently adults don't understand the keep my hands to myself. Um, 
Uh, but as the kids also say, that shit slaps. Okay, it's starting to get old. Um, <laughs> and all I would say is, you know, if you if you want to have a, if you want to have a kid before you're ready, then have it. All right, just don't tell me that you planned it. Like if I like imagine if like three months from now I break the news on this pod. Hey guys, you know I'm a. I got breaking news. Your boy's about to be a father, and it's actually mine. Um, <laughs> sorry, inside joke, inside this broken heart. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Imagine I came on this pod and they're like, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna be a father, and I'm happy, and I could be happy. I would be happy, right? Like I'm not one of those. Regardless, if I'm financially or mentally right like i would be happy because i i don't feel you should bring a child into this world be like ah shit but you know you you should have like goofy you know you seen a goofy movie like that that's a guy that's a guy who's like oh shit like he's a definition of a guy who all he can really offer max is his love because he is so inept he's so goofy um oh max he's so goofy <laughs> that that if if there was a real life goofy and you saw on this earth and you were in walmart and you saw some guy slipping on fucking a vino makeup spillage by you know the protein powder section if you saw some guy just a spaz if you saw some guy like hmm? you'd be like ah oh, jesus who let this guy keep this child? But you see, he's there at all the games. He teaches son this. He doesn't even like skateboarding, but all of a sudden, he's Tony Hawk out there, baby. Pulling 980s, whatever the fuck. Because he's just like, hey, look, son. I'll watch what you do. He's just always trying to give him a life lesson type of shit. But hey, like, yeah, you know what? Meh. I'm not exactly good at the adulthood of this shit, but in terms of actually just loving the child, I'm there. And, you know, say what you want. Like, I think the one thing you can control, and something I learned at a young age, my dad always told me, he's like, you know, I remember one day he told me, not to get too real here, he's like, you know, it was somebody, he got, he's like, you know, you have a shitty fucking attitude. And look, I didn't get it. I mean, I got it like, I was like, yeah, whatever the fuck. Ironically, that's what I said. Yeah, whatever the fuck. Proving the point. And it took me years until recently, like, you know, it took me like recent year or two, like, you know, maybe I do. Maybe I do need to actually, like, sometimes that stuff has to be said to you at a young age for it to come out. It could be five years, 10, but when it comes out, it, the lesson and all of it's valuable. You could you could control your attitude, but you don't have to lie. Look, you don't like, hey, look, yeah, we didn't plan this, but hey, I wouldn't have it any other way now. Now, look, do I really believe you would have it any other way? I don't know. Um, but I do believe like you are not only making the best of a situation, but you are embracing a situation. And I think that's what any good parent does. Like, don't be one of these people like, oh, my parents, you know, I was a mistake. It's like, yes, the world is made off mistakes. The atoms that create the matter, it's all a mistake. The freaking, the the Big Bang Theory is technically a mistake. Extinction, restarting human civilization the first people get pregnant, Jesus raping Abraham. It was all a mistake. Don't fact check me. Um, I read it on, you know, Urban Dictionary. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's probably urban Greek myth. Um, <laughs> but look, mistakes is what makes things great. Like a rough draft. See how I'm tying this all back together? Life is just one big rough draft. But it's the flaws, the ideas, the mistakes that actually make it worthwhile. Imagine if you edited, 
Like, what if, like, the person that had you, and then you just edited them, like, you just photoshopped them, and you just edited the person to make it convenient to as you age to what you like? What if you just edited your mother to your algorithm? It's like, you know, what if you just edited the person that had you? What if you just edited your parents? It's like, hey, you know what? Eh, hey, thanks for the eight years, but I'm going to edit you. I'm going to edit you like edit player in NBA 2K. Like, eh, I want someone who can actually, you know, dunk and shit. Like, you know, I want to, I want to put, I want to make myself 6'5 because being 6'1 is not good enough. It's like, you ungrateful son of a bitch. Just actually work hard and get better at something. How about that? Control what you can control. Stop trying to edit. Stop trying to rewind the innings because you're struck out, you sack of shit. Take the L. It's life. Life. L. Take it. Um... But no, parents are just rough drafts. You could edit it and then fabricate the truth. You could, and sometimes when you fabricate the truth, sometimes you could fabricate the truth to protect parents too much, but sometimes people fib. Sometimes people try to over-exaggerate, over-synthesize. Try to how, they try to over-exaggerate how Coco unideal things were it's like yeah you know what a couple times you came home and they had a rough day they were tired and they yelled at you and you may not have deserved it but how many people have you yelled at how many people have you pissed off that didn't deserve it how many bitches did you fuck that didn't deserve that by you dick um (laughs) all of them um (laughs) Because I'll buy you this dick. Because that's really what you're doing when you're buying a girl a drink. You're just basically buying, you know, you're just buying her the eventual, you know. Look, I'm not, look, let's be honest. I'm not buying you a drink to, you know, go see uh, Angry Birds 3 with you. Like, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to look like an Angry Bird after five dates. Like, hmm, hmm. Um, be like a little troll doll. Um, but look, look, parents, parenting, mistakes, flaws. It's what makes the rough draft come through. Life is a rough draft. That's all it is. Life is a rough draft. And that's why I don't edit mine. And you hear all these people that fucking read my shit. I don't give a fuck. They get here. Fuck you, Hollywood. Well, not really Hollywood, but you get it. The local. Uh, Like, you know, this could really, you know, I don't know about the motive. It's like, you know what? Motives are complicated. Motives aren't A, B, and C. People are not as simple as, you know, some people love their husbands and love their wives. And they still fuck other people. And they know it will hurt their partner. And it doesn't make sense. I don't know why. Alright? Shit are complicated. People are complicated. I'm not justifying bullshit. Because you know I hold bullshit accountable. Alright? But. You're going to love mine. Like Jordan. Like uh, Jordan. I'm back on my bullshit. That's a little dicky line. Um, but look. Seriously. We're all just rough drafts going through life. Stop. You know, the more you try to edit and refine who you are as a person and try to make it so shape-shifting to adjust to things, it makes you like everyone else. It makes you... It makes you... It, it, it makes you exactly what you're trying to avoid. Which is uninteresting. That is the worst. Like, if you want to talk about dating, you want to talk about anything, you know what the worst quality you could be? Uninteresting. In anything. I don't care what it is. It could be fringe. It could be just if you meet a stranger on the sidewalk. Like, I want a stranger to be able to look around and be like, yeah, oh man, we just saw a car crash. Like, a really bad one. I don't want someone to be like, oh my god. You know, I just pray to I just pray the Lord save them. I want a person to be like, damn. Eh. 
that's a not what you're looking for. It's like, ah, uh, damn it. Now I have to take the long way around. Like, I don't know. We're all just rough drafts. That's all we are. I guess this whole pod is tied into rough drafts is what will make you finally drift away. Um, but now, here's why I end the pod with today. This is being the fact I'm running up on time on my camera. Um, be forgiving of flawed people. Be, you know, don't don't sit here and try to do God's work. And stop bitching about you being a mistake. It's like, yes. Yes, you were. Yes, I was. And yes, all of us were. And that's okay. Because you know what your parents did, dude? They didn't just like, ah, mistakes. They didn't just fucking, you know put you at a fucking doorside they didn't put you in a fucking flying bin like the Grinch that's someone who looked at someone like a mistake and was like yep like you were an accident all right they still hug you they still love you (laughs) even when they shouldn't so obviously hey they did the right thing and do the right thing Make six figures off your rough draft. Um, okay. And that is episode 141 of the Off and Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Clint. Don't forget to like, follow, comment, subscribe. And most importantly, suck some titties. Whew. That was actually a good one. One of the better pods I've had in a while. Uh, I guess you could definitely say this one was uh, not your average rough draft. Because... Uh, you know, I, uh, cause I actually, you know, liked it. Uh, that ending was rough. <laughs>